0: Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. All right. It's a little warm down here because the furnaces or the the boilers not getting air, so it it heats up when it's not working. Um, but that'll be all right. <laughs> It'll be cool it will be cool up cooler upstairs. But heat rises, so we are looking at verses 18 through 32 today. Before we get into that, any follow-up or any questions on the previous section up through verse 17? We had that three, verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Any questions or follow-up from there? If not, we will jump in and we're going to do what we've been doing, is read out loud this section i can't get it all on one screen so i'll have to scroll it but we'll get started verse 18 for the wrath of god is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth for what can be known about god is plain to them because god has shown it to them for his invisible attributes and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal men and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up to the lusts of their minds, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions, their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, Foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's <coughs> righteous decree, that those who practice such things deserve God, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. <coughs> One thing about reading, about, keep in mind that this, a letter like Romans, when Paul first writes it to the, to the Christians in Roman. In Rome, the way that most of them would have experienced this was for to, to hear it being read aloud. It's not like they hand out copies for everyone to read uh, this letter. They get the letter and someone reads it to them. Um, so hearing it, hearing how the words are all out, even though we're reading it in translation, I can have it <laughs> here. All right, right. verse 18. Uh, Well, it asks us to kind of go back and it compares. So in the previous verse, it talked about the righteousness of God is revealed. You see this? So the first question is, how is the wrath of God revealed differently than the righteousness of God? So you see there, first you have, in verse 17, the righteousness of God is revealed. And then in verse 18, the wrath of God is revealed. What's the difference? because what is the righteousness revealed for? Grace. Yeah, and he uses this phrase, from faith, for faith. Um, so, and, and we had to wrestle with that, and we, we, we started looking at that. What is this righteousness of God? And we said that what we're not talking about is this inherent righteousness of God, that God is righteous and demands that you be righteous. That is an aspect of the law. That when we say that the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith this is something to be believed this righteousness of God um, is, is this gift of the gospel it's the righteousness that Jesus has that he gives to us as a gift okay? that's going to come up later on in the, in the book in chapter 3 especially <clears throat> you'll hear it in the epistle lesson today which is from Romans 3 um, the righteousness of God but but here, for faith, for faith, and, and then how is this? You said it brings despair, what else does it? what does it lead to? this the wrath of God is revealed and as we look down here, what what, um, uh, what does it do? Ultimately, it takes away the excuses. It reads, the wrath of God reveals sin, we could say simply. Um, another difference is how they are revealed. How is the um, how is the righteousness of God revealed up there? You see this? How is the righteousness of God in it? What's in it? In I have to go back. The, the gospel, right? Is the gospel the word of God? That is how the righteousness of God. Which also tells us, okay, the gospel means good news. If it's the good news that reveals the righteousness of God, this can't be bad news then. Right? So this righteousness of God is good news. Um, and it's revealed in the gospel. How is this revealed, though? It doesn't say it's revealed um, by the word of God, exactly. What does it say it reveals these things? For this? Um, his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature. Um, ever since the creation of the world, in the things that have been made, so how is it that this wrath of God is revealed? You kind of, everything in the attributes of God show this. Um, think about this. You know, you go and you observe from the things that have been made, from nature. Observe from nature the attributes of God. What attributes of God can you observe from nature? Creativeness. Creativity, um, yeah. The, the, the wisdom of God that He could create these things. Anything else? Regeneration, meaning plants and animals, if they have a damage on them, they try to overcome that and keep growing. Where man made things deteriorate. So, uh, a nature, a kind of idea of, well, you use the word regeneration, or generation, even, just that, that life, that He's a life giver, God is. Um, so where there's something yeah life lifeful, um, what else? I'm <laughs> I can't thought that would be fine. Um, <laughs> reveals that God with wisdom, but also got power. Doesn't creation show that, um, that the one who created this must have been wise, must have also been powerful? Is the power of God what kind of attribute is that? Um, that is, how does that make us feel? When you know that God is powerful. Wheat. And, um, and and how is God going to use that power? God is all powerful. He can create the mountains, you know, he can create these, these huge things, he can create the and, and you know, nature that can do such amazing things. If God is powerful, how does that make me feel? Well, it depends on if I'm on his good side or not. Right? There's this uh, uh, song I mentioned it before from Veggie Tales, where they sing "God is bigger than the Boogeyman," um, which is an idea like meant to comfort children who are afraid of the dark. Like the fact that God is bigger than the Boogeyman doesn't necessarily comfort you. <laughs> right? um, it, it just makes me that I should be more afraid of Him than the Boogeyman, right? Um, and, and that's what, that's what his, uh, God's attributes, some attributes of God are, um, they show us how small and how weak and lowly and especially as sinful people, they're going to condemn us. So the wrath of God uh, revealed against from heaven against all ungodliness and right, unrighteousness of men against sin. All right. So we keep going on the wrath of God revealed, what can be known as plain to them. Uh, his invisible attributes have been clearly seen. Um, so then, question two says sometimes people will say, You maybe heard this or even said this. God would never condemn a person for not believing what he doesn't know. What insight does verse 20 have for answering this challenge? Someone says, Well, how could God condemn someone if they've never even heard these things? And what does verse 20, what direction does verse 20 steer? I said 19, too. clearly perceive things of God. That, and, that everyone would know, that they don't. And so the answer is, they, they do know something. Right? They've seen this. Even if they want to deny things, um, this is not God's fault uh, for not communicating with them. Now, they're not going to know everything. Because as we saw, the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel. Only in the gospel. But the result of this is they are without excuse. I didn't know is not an excuse. Um, really, for, for anyone. Um, you no, know, even if it's only the voice of conscience. You know, if it's only the voice of conscience, um, those who in our world today, and, and for as long as the world's been around, who, who Everyone has, and we're going to hear about this more here, that God has given this, this voice, this conscience. And what do people do when they, when the, uh, when they violate that voice, when they, they sin, and they know, it. they might not know exactly how or why, or they don't know the details of it, but they, what, what happens to them? They feel bad. They feel, what do we call it? Guilt. Right, and they might not have a name for it. They might lash out at people. You ever hear like a teenager yelling at their mom? Don't make me feel guilty. Don't guilt trip me. Like <laughs> I just put a belt there. You're like, you're, like the guilt is in you. Like if you're guilty, can't blame other people for making you feel guilty. Uh, you're just trying to make an excuse. So what do people do when, when, they, when their conscience pricks them? They try to solve. They try to sell. They try to either ignore it, cover it up, excuse it, or you get everyone to, everyone else, if you can get enough people, to, to say, well, this is fun. This is cool. We should all do this, and we can all be proud of it, too. See that? Yeah. Um, the, 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 the attempt for pe- to get people to kind of approve of your behavior is a reaction to conscience. It's a reaction to feeling guilt, and so I cover it up so that I don't feel as guilty. Now we're talking about ourselves. What about people that went for generations and beyond, not knowing that? Then it becomes church's nature to them to follow their parents, and some of this they would even understand. So well that's where missions come in, right? Yeah. Um, even though but, and I the the question kind of becomes whether or not someone who you know totally is separate from any kind of moral guidance, you know, for generations they've been whether they still have a conscience. And I would I would submit from, from the scriptures saying they still do. It can be dull. Right. And, and you, can get it, you can get enough people around you to, to kind of think the same way that you do, and, you know, you know, family or generations. Uh, but it's still there somewhere. And so it like, still needs to be resolved somehow. So they might, yeah, they wouldn't be able to acknowledge it. Because there's been so much of that going on in the United States. <coughs> yeah. <coughs> yeah, people who just they just don't have any idea. I um, mean, it doesn't take that you know, it doesn't take that long. All it takes is one one set of parents not to tell their children um, something, and they, they're they're totally oblivious to the fact that you know yeah. what what is sin, what isn't sin. What, yeah. Yeah. It's easy to be this ourselves, but yeah. when you think of the world or missions and that... stuff, well, and that's that. It that really is who he's talking about too, because he, he he's you know he's he's writing to the Romans, to the Christians, but he's he's talking about. The all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. So he doesn't make exception for people who, you know, like, oh, they don't know anybody. This is for them, too. Like, they have have no excuse, too. And he was on the mission. Yeah. So. um, So does that make sense? That we, like, really there is no excuse. um, You know. Uh, on the other hand, there are sin. Even Paul's going to say, I wouldn't have known what coveting was if, if the law did not say covet. There are, uh, yeah, I didn't know, but I guess to say ignorance is no excuse. Yeah. Ignorance isn't that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not that either. Um, all right. So in verse 23, it uses this phrase, it actually uses it several times there. What does it mean that God gave them up? It's not 23, but 24. 26, and 28. You see that there? God gave them up in the lust of their hearts. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. And 28, God gave them up to a debased mind. <coughs> what does that mean? Um, the, the word there. It's it just being gave. It, we, we might say gave them over. Um, It does not mean give up on them. He didn't give up on them like like that. The idea is he hands them over to it. That is, um, probably the easiest way to to think of it, is that he let them have what they want. So an example from this in the Bible, where we see this a a couple of times, um, in the account with, with Pharaoh. Remember Pharaoh, stubborn Pharaoh, you know Moses is there and saying, let the people go. And he says, okay, I'll let them go. You know, then then he, he gives them the plague. And then he says, okay, fine, I'll let them go. And then as soon as the plague is away, then he changes his mind. And he says, no. And then he does it again. And then eventually, and, you know, it says, and it, it'll say, Pharaoh hardened his heart. And Pharaoh hardened his heart. And Pharaoh hardened his heart against God. And then after a while, it says, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Well, we Only after he had repeatedly done this, that God lets him have what he, what he wants. So God does not force Pharaoh to uh, you know, to reject God and his word. Pharaoh rejects God and his word, but eventually God lets him have it. He doesn't keep on. And eventually says God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Uh, and that's what you see here. God gave them up Uh, He doesn't stop, and he lets them to their own uh, own lusts. And then this goes to the dishonoring of their bodies. So that's what he's dealing with here. Gave them up to dishonorable passions, and and then he describes those passions. He gave them up to a debased mind, and then it's going to list a bunch of other things there, too. So you have this three times here, and notice the three things. Um, You've got these things... um, what is this one? This first group, the lust of their hearts to impurity, dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, exchange the truth of God for a lie, worship and serve the creature rather than the Creator. So, what is this? What do we call this? What is this sin called? Where someone worships and serves the creature rather than the Creator, we call that idolatry. Yeah? First commandment. Um, where does the first commandment start? and the desires of the heart, and it reflects itself in the bo- in the body. But it's first commandment, yeah, Which I think I've got. That's the number four question. Number four: What is the connection between sexual immorality and idolatry? This shows up an awful lot in the Bible. The connection between sexual immorality and idol- uh, idolatry, which so that when, when people get confused, they get confused between the word idolatry and adultery. They're not terribly different. What's the connection? The teacher, the creator. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we think of idolatry. Worshipping... Well, what is idolatry, right? It's a worshipping of an idol, right? Um... God, that the, the idol is something that God has made. And it could be a statue, it could be wood or stone, it could also be money printed on cotton. It could be the cotton itself, or some other crop, or some other form of, right? Um, the thing, rather than the creator, but how is that connected to adultery? I mean, or, uh, sexual immorality. It's the same thing, isn't it? Sexual immorality the worship of the created, the body, physical pleasure, the flesh—right? It's it's a, a form of idolatry that we would love the creature more than the Creator. Um, that that just shows up. All well, the other connection um, is that God will use this all the time in the prophets, and and He'll say. He'll, he'll call to his people and say you've 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 committed adultery, you've, you've as as though God is the is the bridegroom, is the groom, and and well we talk about this, the church is the bride, and she's been unfaithful. There's the connection to be unfaithful to God um, by idolatry is that kind of know, spiritual adultery. This unfaithfulness to, to God. Alright? Next, in the next section, 26-27, um, how does the Apostle Paul assert that homosexual behavior is sin? Can the same argument be used today? One thing we'll note. Um, what is he speaking of? I mean, women exchange natural relations for those that are contrary to nature, and they gave up, men did the same thing. Gave up natural relations with women, uh, were consumed with passion for one another. He, it does say, and that's why I put it that way. The question, that he asserts that homosexual behavior is sinful. That um, he's, de- in the, right here he's dealing with the the, the behavior, um, and to be consumed with passion for one another. Uh, he's not talking about a class of people, as if there is such a thing. Um, that's the we, we hear that today. There, there are people who are. This, right? As if this is a thing that God made. There are there are actions and there are desires. What I get, it, what we want to get, it is that this is not their identity. We hear that, don't you? Someone's sexual identity. This is not an identity. This is this is action. This is desire and action. What are you? What are you in your person in your identity? Your identity is not determined by your behavior and your desires, is it? If that's the case, we have a different name for many of us. <laughs> I'm lazy. I mean, I call myself that, or you know, like, like that's my identity. Like that's not. No, that's my inclination is to stay in bed or something like that. You know, or my inclination is to do this or to to do that. That's not my identity. If it is, that's a, that's a much bigger problem, right? But, and that, that confuses us when we start talking like that, that this, this, this is this kind of person. It's not talking about this kind of person. It's just talking about, and, and it's, it's being clear about it. And so let's, let's answer that. But how does he assert this, then? He says, this is Well, first he says, well, I'll just let you. How does he assert it? He says it's contrary to nature. You've got natural relations. And those that are contrary to nature. Um, and this nature word, uh, the, the word that, that, that Paul uses, um, well, the, the, the English word nature. The English word nature comes comes from a Latin root from uh to be born. So it's what it's the law of what? Um, it's the law of creation, order, life, right? That's the law. That's the nature that this is contrary to. We're not talking about saying it's contrary to anything that we might happen to see in the animal kingdom, and some of the animals do this. Therefore, that's natural. That's not nature for, for us. If you're a monkey, or whatever, I don't know what animals that people will you know say that we can behave this way because animals do it, that's <laughs> That, that's not according to nature, even though it's in nature, in other animals, uh, in, in animals. That doesn't mean that we can say whatever is done somewhere in the animal kingdom is is natural. No. <laughs> nature here is what? Um, uh, what are natural relations with men and women? We don't need to spell out the details. But we know what, the, what we're talking about here, right? And what is the... Um, what is the ordered, natural, law, lawful, in the sense that the laws of nature result of the, of the natural relationships between man and women? Uh, children, yes. Life. This is... that that's, that's nature. So to say that it's contrary to nature is to say it doesn't... I mean, and it's, it's a decent argument to say it doesn't work. For the thing that it's designed... To, um, that these relations are not just to give pleasure to each other they're not to fulfill each other there's a purpose for all of this which is a good thing for all of us to remember not just um, in dealing with those who have, have exchanged natural um, it is possible for completely heterosexual people to to forget the laws of nature that what this, these relations are between men and women are to protect and, and promote life. That's the point. Right? Um, which is which is a basis for an argument. this is what it's for. Outside of that, that it's not for this, that, that identifies as unnatural. And then yeah. When you're saying that they use the excuse that animals may do some of these things, isn't the whole world corrupted since animals? You know, yeah, weeds grow and, and plants and animals aren't the same as they should be, or maybe work. Yeah. So it's not really about. Yeah, and, and I wonder though, like, it's hard to know exactly what the fall results in. If, you know, like, hypothetically, if there was no fall of the sin, would, would animals behave differently? I, would, well, I suppose they would in some way. Um, and I guess the one thing I'm thinking of is, is thinking of like of someone saying, well, animals, you know, animals are not monogamous. A lot of them. There are some. Uh, right. And so then we don't have to be here something like that. Well, that's so even if, even if, I think, because I think you're right, yes, the, the, the whole creation has fallen. And so that, that sees itself not just in all of creation and not just in us, but all all over. And so yeah, you can't. Uh, just because you see something, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> means means that you can kind of depend on it. basis. So, in Paul's what, Greek or whatever he's talking about, does nature come out of a different thought process? No, I th- I think it gets, I think our our word nature, um, nature does. It seems natural. Yeah. And. and, and, and Yeah, it, it's the idea of, well, except when, when we, if we use the word natural to say, well, it's natural because the animals do it. Like, if that's our thinking of what nature is, that's not correct. Um, that when, he, when he's talking about nature, he's talking about the laws of nature, biogenesis, right? So, you say contrary to nature is not saying that it doesn't ever happen among some animals or something like that, but for human life, oh, right? Right. So it, it has a kind of a, a little bit more narrow meaning there. Maybe we sometimes, well, you know, because someone might, yeah, some, you, know, a, you know, a guy who you know, has his hair up or something like that says, well, oh, it's just natural. You know, <laughs> no, it's not. I <laughs> I guess that's what we would think. It's not natural. But, you know, you go back to old lesson, like they, they had and all that stuff. Yeah, and, and there would be another example of, you know, like the fact that someone does it doesn't mean that it's, and is, so because the purpose of this, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, and the two become one flesh, and the evidence and the fruit of that one flesh is, is new flesh, new body. Um, but that's the, that's the purpose. And so, yes, even in, in, in those kind of situations, still the purpose is that. You know? So it is, that's also a corruption, a different kind of corruption. But it doesn't make it right, but it's still ordered toward the same goal. So even uh, Jacob, who has four wives, they're all having children. (laughs) You know, like it's still ordered that direction. So even though not good, not right, but it's still like aiming in the same direction. Even so, those are according to nature in that sense. And it's (laughs) it's not good. (laughs) So um, yeah. Is it can the same argument be used today? Is there a reason why this why um, does it fall down today at all? To say homosexuality this homosexual behavior <coughs> is contrary to nature. Is that is that a true statement? That's a true statement. Um, defining what nature is and what, what we're talking about you know, um, again, it doesn't mean that it doesn't happen somewhere in the animal kingdom that's not really the point we're dealing with um, and again that also, it underscores for us to keep in mind that the, the relationship between men and women the nat- to understand what are the natural relations between men and women if we don't have a good handle on that we won't have a very good way to explain what is contrary to that nature if, for example, the relations between a husband and a wife are primarily, if in our minds, or the way we talk, it's primarily about fulfilling each other and making, you know, like kind of an emotional connection, or that it's primarily about pleasuring one another, and that children aren't, like, because, because you take children out of the thing, you take nature out of this, and then that can that send the argument. Then it's hard for us to say, well, but this is natural. Well, it it, it, it it gives pleasure. It can fulfill each other. They can have this kind of companionship. What's the thing that they can't have? What was the thing that, that, that uh, being contrary to nature? You see what I'm saying? So if we, if we take if we have made marriage and relate normal relations between man and woman into essentially an emotional just an emotional connection just. Um, for companionship, just for pleasure, then, then we then this doesn't make as much sense anymore. You know, this is how the Supreme Court um, can can say, well, look, um, you know, we can't deny these people this this right because it, in, in the definition of marriage that they're using, as well, you know, it's, it's they you know like each other, they live together, they're committed to each other, they this this and this like that whole nature part of the the relations between man and woman weren't part of that conversation they, you take that out and then then the, the door's open because there's no there's nothing to preclude that from being you know if it doesn't have to be and they've already since then taken out you know legally that would be life law you know um, that when you strip away from the normal relations, it's harder for us to stand up against unnatural relationships. That's not, that's unnatural. You say, well, but that looks exactly like the relation that everyone else has. But they're taking religion out of it, totally. And they're looking at all the other questions as we they around. I'm talking about the Supreme Court. Well, if they were to do that, if they were to actually like on equal ground, they would see that other, the, like, more religions are even harsher, and in, in, um, in some sense. yeah, but there are some uh, But you know, and I think that like we can look at this, and this is an argument. Even though it's here in the Bible, this isn't an argument like that requires religious conviction. No, but it, I'm just saying, even some the Lutheran are start to. It's saying it's okay. It makes it much harder (laughs) when other other Christians will say, you know, that they've given up on this, and they'll say this doesn't apply or something like that. They'll say that this is only talking about um, the way they'll do this because people who are totally accepting of every kind of behavior um, they have this verse in their Bible too. I think that the way that they handle it is they will they will um, they'll talk about these men committing shameless acts with each other, um, they'll, they'll think that these are talking about some kind of non-consensual, forced kind of relations or something like that. I think that's how they, they handle it. So there are bad relationships, and that's what this is describing. This isn't talking about lifelong, or, you know, lifelong, uh, you know, committed relationships. That They'll say that that's not what he's talking about, that there, is, that there, are, that there are good ones um, or something that. That the, or they, or they just think Paul was wrong. Yeah, you know I mean, he was wrong, and he's just Paul. And, and no, don't, we're more enlightened exactly. Yeah, we know we know more than he did, and he was kind of a bigot. Um, and and we're just more enlightened now. So like, the which then we have to take seriously though if that's the, if that's the case, then what about the rest of the Book of Romans? Because <laughs> this it, these, this is going to be tied directly in to the, the core, the heart, of our faith. So if we lose this, we lose a whole lot more than just this. Um, yeah, um, Yeah. I, I think it's a, and, and really it's the same argument that I, I see the Lutherans make in the in the Reformation. <laughs> they're, they're not really dealing specifically with homosexuality, though that's always been. there. Uh, but they do, they, they make this argument from nature. Um, that's their argument against priestly celibacy. The forced priestly celibacy in the Reformation is that it's unnatural. That, that we are created with, um, in, in fact, there's this, there's this verse, this passage in the Apology or something like that, um, where, where Melanchthon says, he says, they, they, you know, some might argue that uh, at, at, at one time, Oh, this is their the Lutheran argument was God's command was be fruitful and multiply. That's a command. Right? And 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 the, the and so that applies to the priests too. Like this is this is God's divine order, and you're over superseding your own order and telling them not to get married. Um, and their their response well is well the earth is full already. <laughs> it's five hundred years ago. The earth is full already. Um, we don't have to. We don't have to pay attention to this command anymore, because it said, Be f- f- "Fill the earth and subdue it." So now it's full. Um, and, and and the Lutherans came back and said, "That's like saying one at one time people were born with gender. Now they're not." <laughs> As this kind of like mocking it, like so, no one would say that. Uh, it's crazy. Uh, and they're saying that, today. but but the argument is the same. It says this is this is. Um, we we cannot undo God's creation. What God makes is good and on purpose, uh, and, and and so we're not in a position to say, well, um, you know, oh, marriage might be for some people. No, it is given as a, as a good for for mankind. This um, part is a natural part of it. and I think it's a very good one. Um, it's still the same one, and and like I said, like this doesn't necessarily require. Biology, will kind of, will will back this up, especially when we get the whole gender thing and, and, and sex. Uh, it doesn't require, like, God to save man and woman. <laughs> Your genetics save man and woman. Um, but that's a little bit more than what we're dealing with here. Okay, so dealing with the acts... Um, Let's uh, look at the next verses, 29, 30. Now you've got this other thing that they were handed over to. A debased mind. To do what ought not to be done. Um, and then he's got this list of stuff, bad stuff, right? The question is, what kind of people do all the things that are listed in 29 through 31? What kind of people do these things? All kinds of unrighteousness, evil, mal- covetous, malice. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, mal- maliciousness. They're gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful. Adventures of evil, disobedient fears. foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless, terrible, terrible people. Who are these people? Oh, Oops. Oops. <laughs> you know, I, I was good. I was good until I got to like, I don't know, maliciousness, deceit, gossips, slanderers. I don't think I'm a hater of God, but, oddy, naughty, naughty, boastful. I can't make it through this list. Disobedient to parents? He puts that at the end. stuff. like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> there comes that. In the same list, God gave them over. God gave them over to all this bad stuff, and this bad stuff is bad stuff too. So this idea that, there's, that the church is really only concerned about certain sins that are really bad. Foolishness. Now that maybe... That may be that we've taken our eyes off the ball and not paid attention to real sin that's in us. And we focused on sin that's out there in certain people and certain sins. But if someone has this idea that the, you know, the church is really only interested in certain sins that happen in certain people's bedrooms, <laughs> um... And that the, the, the first place that we look, this this is this is us. Gossips. I would love to talk about people that I don't like when they're not there. It's easy. It's really hard not to, because I don't like them very much, and I think they're stupid. But if they're there, I'm not going to call them stupid. Why not? Because I'm kind of arrogant and boastful and haughty, because I think myself. I, I want them to look. I uh, want them to think that I'm a good guy. But if I call them stupid while they're here, they won't think I'm that nice. But if I say that when they're not here, the person that I said that to might think I was kind of cool. Because I'm better than that person. This is wicked, right? They know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die. So we're not preaching about all the bad people out there. This is us too. Um, Yes, the bad people are out there too. They do these things. And this word practice such things, think of practice as do over and over and over again. They they, they make a habit of these things. It's not as though if you've ever done any of this stuff, you're, um, I mean, you do deserve to die because the wages of sin is death. But, you know, there is a difference between those who, who struggle with sin and those who practice it. Who are working towards more of it and working against it. There's a difference there. Um, But we're in this list. So. So he's writing about us. about that? Which is worse? To do these things or to give approval to those who do? Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice those things deserve to die, they not only do them but give approval to those who practice them. Just from his words, you can tell which one's worse, right? Not only do they do do this, you know, we think it was the other way around. If if it was, you know, not only do they give approval, but they all do it. We think of doing it's worse, right? Like if if I if I sat by and watched someone else do something, it's fine for them, but I. Didn't. I think of myself as doing taking the, 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 the higher road, right? He says, not only do they do, do, do they do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. Um, how does... Yeah, that's the question here. How is the, that approval often given? By not doing something like... It's usually it done by nothing, isn't it? It's not like someone's... You know, you have um, uh, in, in Acts... Uh, Saul, who's he's persecuting the Christians early on, holding the coats of those who are stoning Stephen. Remember that? Standing there giving approval to his death. Uh, he's not throwing a stone. He's not throwing rocks at the guy's head. Bashing his brains out. He's just holding their coats. Makes it easier, doesn't it? Seems easier to just hold their coats. It can just help him out. Uh, but you see how that's kind of—I mean—worse is not; it's not really that helpful. To my out which that's no different. That the one who gives approval is just as responsible as the one who does the thing. So if I sit by and watch someone falling into sin and say nothing, do um, so you see how that just wipes out all? All notion of us being self-righteous—it puts a burden on us. It's a terrible burden, but slow to sin, right? And it—it in, in, in will. go oh boy, you know, when, when you don't say something, there's guilt there too, isn't there? So there. So we we've got to get to forgiveness. It's it's hard to stop here in Romans two or one or just in one. It's going to be worse in chapter two. Um, it's going to be hard to stop there. And not and say, look, there's an answer to this. So when the conscience is burdened,
1: when I look at all the stuff that I've done, this,
0: all these things that I that I am and have done, and then I go and I say, look, at these are these things that I saw other people doing. and I thought myself better because I didn't do them. They, but I didn't say anything to stop them. I didn't rebuke them. Um, understand? <laughs> That's. That's why we live in forgiveness. Um, this is—we're—we're we're not in this to escape feeling guilty. Not in this to escape, you know, someone kind of coming and saying, "Well, you too." Um, we're gonna find a, a, a ravaged conscience. We're gonna—it's gonna prick us. It's gonna make us bleed. Um, What joy. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is why we have Jesus. For the times I I, I, I did other things for the times I, or I just didn't know what to say. I knew that something was wrong and maybe I tried, but I just don't know if I did it right. Jesus' blood has to cover all of that. It has to. Um, Otherwise, like if we let the law do its work, and the gospel does not comfort and salve our conscience; it will drive us nuts. And we'll either have to shut this voice down and start kind of like talking like that and justifying or excusing. Um, we we'll have to use that language in order to kind of quiet ourselves, our own conscience, just like what we see others doing, right? Those who need need approval, they do it to quiet their conscience, and we'll do the same thing if we don't we won't listen to the gospel. Um, don't medicate a wound that, that, that that's opened by the law don't medicate that with more law don't medicate that with excuses or trying to kind of some kind of self-righteousness comparing to others Jesus The blood of Jesus is the only solution which Paul's going to get to but I just we need, to, we need to hear that now so we don't get left sitting in this this nasty um, without that, because when it, if it opens up the wounds we gotta we to gotta heal that. Um, anything else, any other thoughts on this down to the first chapter of Romans. So no, one's, uh, no one has excuse. everyone is equal under the law, including us. So there's no point in fingers. This is good. I'm going to be looking forward to like each week as we get to each section. Really good. Uh, Just as a reminder, uh, the the recordings last week did work. So I've got the recording from last week. So if you miss a week, um, you can go up stjohnswoodlake.com slash Romans. Romans, And that will just be a page and they'll just have the the weeks there. It's got the the two of the first one had only 10 minutes, but you can go and listen uh, to the first 10 minutes until someone called me. Um, but last week was a complete one. Today looks looks good so far. Uh, If you can't find that or you need help with that or you want me to email it or text it to you, I can do that as well so that you you can follow along and keep up. Any questions? Shall we close with our hymn?